because what we're trying to do is protect good wildlife habitat forever. Under our big game hunter reservation system, we have listed in the brochure this year, if anybody looks or looks at the website, they'll see we have four new properties enrolled. We know that things are changing in this state, whether it's energy development, rural subdivision developments, all kinds of different changes. So we're trying to protect this so we can maintain big game species, small game species for, for perpetuity for all of our generations to come. All right, guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Taryn Hunt. Before we get started, as always, I want to thank our title sponsor, Vortex Optics. Vortex sponsors everything that we do here at eHunter, and we're very grateful for them. I've been on the mountain the past couple weeks, been looking through my Vortex ultra high definition razors. Uh, they've been fantastic. I mean, absolutely fantastic. They compete and compare to some of the best stuff out there. And so if you haven't had a chance to look through some of their razor ultra high definition binoculars or some of these new rifle scopes, do it. Um, I promise you will not be disappointed. It's pretty fantastic glass. On today's podcast, I have Bill DeVergy of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife. Recently, we published an article on our website about uh, Colorado's hunter reservation system. Basically, what this is is an opportunity to access private land. Um, there's many private land accesses within the state of Colorado, and trying to find out, find one in your unit, whatever tag that you have, is, is kind of difficult. So, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has launched this hunter reservation system where you can go online and reserve one of these permits to hunt on private property that some of these private landowners have um, issued. So Bill and I talk about the details of it. He gives a great overview um, of the program. And then we talk about the reason behind the program, why they introduced it and why or how it's gonna be effective. So if you're from Colorado or hunting Colorado, which I know a lot of our listeners do, or even if you have plans to hunt Colorado, to the, Colorado in the future, going to want to listen to this episode. Uh, This could definitely help you in some of your hunts coming up. If you have a tag in some of these units and specific hunts, go on their website and see if you can get one of these permits to hunt on some of this private property. Bill mentions there's only a handful and so it'd be a very, um, very, there'd be very few hunters hunting this. So anyways, we will get into the details in the podcast with Bill. Um, I want to thank him for taking his time I'm at it today to, to record this with me. Appreciate him. Appreciate everybody at the CPW. They are great. They share so much great information with us and are very transparent with us as well. So, guys, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. If you guys like it, make sure you uh, you like it, share it around. Um, if you guys have any comments, questions, make sure and leave a comment on, the, on whatever podcast site you listen to. Or if you have any questions, you can email them to me at, at uh, Taryn H, which is T-E-R-R-O-N-H at ehunter.com. All right, guys, let's jump into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the eHunter newscast. Um, I'm your host for this newscast, Taryn Hunt. Pretty excited about this newscast, uh, really all the newscasts that we do on um, Colorado, just because it is my home state. Um, and so any any newscast podcast we do on Colorado, I get, I get pretty excited. Um, but on today's podcast, I have Bill DeVergy of the CPW, and we're going to talk a little bit today about some of the land access and a new uh, 
land reservation system that uh, the CPW has been has introduced. But before we jump into that, Bill, welcome to the call. How are you doing, man? I'm doing very well, thank you. Wonderful. Bill, before we jump into this this conversation, if you wouldn't mind, just take a few minutes, um, introduce yourself, tell us a little, about, a little bit about uh, who you are, what you do, and, and things like that, if you don't mind. Absolutely. So, yeah, my name is Bill DeVergie. I'm the Area Wildlife Manager with Colorado Parks and Wildlife. I'm based out of our Meeker office. Uh, my responsibilities here is I'm the area supervisor, so I kind of cover this whole northwest corner of the state, which includes areas including like Craig, Rangeley, and Meeker. Um, very fortunate. I've been working for the, the Colorado Parks and Wildlife, so CPW. I've been working for them for almost 30 years now. And uh, it's been a great career. Uh, I'm very fortunate. I'm biased, but I live in the best part of the state. We have the most wildlife resources, and uh, that makes it bigger challenges and a lot more fun. So very fortunate to be in the position I'm in and uh, have really enjoyed my career so far and continue to look forward to working for sportsmen of of Colorado as well as the resource. Well, I will have to agree with you. You do live in the best part of Colorado. So I live in in Monument, Colorado, which is over by Colorado Springs, and uh, so I've done podcasts with a couple other guys. I think in your area, you may know them. Do you know uh, JT Romatsky and Randy Hampton? I very well do. I work for JT. He's my supervisor out of Grand Junction, and Randy's our public information officer. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I've done podcasts with, with both of them. Really, really good guys. Don't tell them I said that though, because it'll go straight to their head. But really great guys. Uh, but I, I told them as well. I said you guys live on the right side of the state, the the, the better side of the state. I live on on the the worst side of the state. <laughs> no, I I take that back. I love all of Colorado. It's it's a beautiful state. I'm originally from Utah, so. Having these big mountains kind of makes me feel like home, and um, you know, for me on this side, to the you know to the west, I've got my nice mountains. To the east, I've got nothing but flat. So uh, I'm a little jealous of you guys over there that are surrounded completely by mountains. And I, I was telling Bill before we start we before we hit the record button, I always go over that way to hunt. I mean, like you said, that's the the best area to be, and it's got the I, I think the best hunting in the state. Would you agree? Absolutely. We've got the most big game species for both, you know, deer, elk, antelope. You know, we just, we have a lot of volume of animals and a lot of opportunities, a lot of public lands, so we're very fortunate. Yeah. Yep, I'm jealous. If my uh, if my company was over there, I'd, I'd be on that side of the state for sure if I had a choice. But maybe someday I'll be able to, to go over there, not just to hunt, but, but to be able to live, so... Well, Bill, I really appreciate you being on this on this call on this podcast with me. Um, anytime we put out an article related to Colorado, we get a lot of in, uh, of input. A lot of questions come in about the articles um, because Colorado is such an amazing state uh, for sportsmen and hunters. And so, a lot of people have questions. A lot of people travel here from from other states. In fact, we have employees of eHunter that travel here. Um, from all over the United States. In fact, we've got one from Missouri that's headed this way in a couple of weeks for an elk hunt. And so Colorado articles get a lot of attention. And so we always like to be able to put more information out there for our our listeners and our readers. Uh, and a podcast is a great way to do that. So I'm really looking forward to talking to you today uh, about an article that we released recently. Um, and if, if you all are familiar with uh, the eHunter.com, seen some of the articles on there. Uh, one of the ones that we recently published, it was called Colorado's New Hunter Reservation System. 
And so I, I want to chat with you a little bit about that, Bill. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll turn it over to you. If you wouldn't mind, could you kind of just give us a quick overview of this hunter reservation system and what it looks like? Sure, and I'll, I'll try not to get too far into the weeds, but give you at least a better overview. But so for quite a few years now, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has been working with private landowners and we've been doing what's, what are called conservation easements. So we, we work with the landowner, we're able to, to pay them a, a, a significant amount of money to protect their land. Generally, it's always in perpetuity, so forever, from development. So they agree that you know they will not ever be able to subdivide or uh, change the, the landscape of their property forever. And that's been a very big program we're working on because what we're trying to do is protect good wildlife habitat forever. We know that things are changing in this state, whether it's energy development, rural subdivision developments, all kinds of different changes. So we're trying to protect this so we can maintain big game species, small game species for, for perpetuity for all of our generations to come. So as a part of this, what we've tried to do as we build into these conservation easements to protect the land We've also tried to create what we call access easements, which allows public hunters access onto these private properties for some limited hunting opportunities. So we've been able to accumulate several of those over the last 10 or 15 years uh, across the state. And we're fortunate in this part, this corner up here in the Northwest corner, we have a, a significant amount of those. Um, a lot of good willing landowners, a lot of great partners with us. Um, so with this, access easement we've we've negotiated with them to be able to allow a few whether it be deer hunters or elk hunters onto these specific private ranches so a few years ago we started working on a new system to find a better way to allow our public first to know about these opportunities and then second to give them the chance to be able to apply or may in this case make the reservation to be able to put their name in the hat, so to speak, to get that chance to hunt on those private ranches. So we created this uh, a system in our iPaws, in our uh, licensing electronic system that everybody sees on our website. So we call it the Hunter Reservation System. So if you see HRS, that references this. Under our big game Hunter Reservation System, we have listed in the brochure this year, if anybody looks or looks at the website, They'll see we have four new properties enrolled. And under each of these properties, we have very specific limited numbers of licenses that we're allowed to, to allow onto the property. So people can go on the website, they can pick a ranch. An example, the first one could be the Collins Mountain Ranch. It's located just south of Meeker. Uh, and what we allow is a, a second season buck hunter. So somebody who has a valid buck license for that particular unit, so which is part of units 12, 23, 24, second rifle, they can go onto that reservation system when it opens up about 60 days prior to the hunt, and they can try to put their name in and first come, first serve. And if they are able to acquire that uh, access reservation, they can then hunt that private ranch in addition to the normal unit that they already have a valid license for. So we have several of these, again, four properties. Each one has whether it be you know, a buck tag or a bull tag, maybe a couple of cow tags here and there. It, it's limited to seasons, it's limited to units, but it's providing an, an additional opportunity for some sportsmen to hunt private properties. So 
how many is there a specific number of people that can get those permits is there like is it, i should say is there a set number for each season each unit do they have a set number for those that uh, of licenses that they're giving out absolutely um and that it's good and bad i mean obviously we don't like to just say we have totally unlimited and and everybody gets the chance but that that would also change the way the hunting on that property would be and it's not fair necessarily to the, the private landowner as well but so yes um generally it's somewhere between four and six licenses per ranch uh we try to spread them out over some different seasons give people different opportunities we have a few deer tags as well as some elk tags on different ranches um i think total right now there's about 19 different licenses available uh so there's a couple buck tags on different ranches a couple bull tags mostly cow elk licenses. I think there's 13 of those. And then I think we have a, two doe tags as well. So if a person looks under our hunter reservation system, and if they pick one of those four ranches, it'll list exactly the season that that is available, the number of licenses for the species, as well as the sex, so buck versus bull or cow doe. And then uh, the license that they have to have prior to being able to try to get into this reservation system because you have to have a valid license for that specific hunt area and that season before you can put in for the reservation okay that makes sense you know this is huge it really is because you know i over the years i've been a hunter for a a long time and whether it be myself or a, a colleague of mine we we spend quite a bit of money you know paying trespass fees to get on private property to you know to be able to hunt it in addition to the the public land that's there and so for an opportunity like this to get more access as as hunters more opportunity as hunters uh, it's huge just for the more opportunity but it's also huge in it you know the opportunity to be able to save money um, for us as hunters with those those trespass fees how much uh great question how much do these licenses cost well, so the reservation system is free. There is no additional charge. So you basically have to have your license in advance for those, as I mentioned, for those units, that species and that season. So depending on whether you're a resident or non-resident, as long as you've got your existing big game, let's say it's a unit 12 second season deer tag, that's all it costs. The reservation is free from there on. Oh, that is music to my ears and i'm sure many other people that have (laughs) tags in those areas where these these permits are going to be able to be obtained so oh that that, again that's that is wonderful so just to reiterate uh, the best place for people to go get this they go to the cpw website and then they can search the hunter reservation system from there and find those tags correct that is correct and there's two parts to our hunter reservation system so we have a small game, which is kind of like the, you know, the waterfowl, the reservation of some of the duck lines on state wildlife areas and different things. Then this is the big game side of it. So this is where you get to reserve the opportunity for these limited different hunts on private land, on ranches. And right now, most of these are at least starting out. They're all within the general vicinity of Meeker. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah, that is that is absolutely fantastic. And again, music to my ears as a hunter, just just more access. Um, there's a lot of times as hunters, you know, we, we run into that. There's a, there's quite a bit of private property, I guess more so on you know on my side of the state um, as I've as I've hunted bear and 
elk over here it's it's a problem I have to use my onyx maps quite frequently to make sure I'm not going on to private property so to have an opportunity to not only have the public land and, and be able to access that but to have more and more private land to access as well that like that just creates more opportunity for us as hunters that we can legally do and um, just yeah just more opportunity so let's talk about some of the specifics as, as to why this hunter reservation system was created and, and really other land accesses that the state has implemented. Um, I had read that the kind of one of the specifics for this new one was because of an overpopulation of animals. And I guess my first question is that correct? Is that why this is being initiated? Uh, not really an overpopulation. Um, okay. I think the better term would be a distribution type issue. Mm -hmm. um, these properties are in fairly close proximity to a large tracts of public land. So a lot of it's, they're either adjacent to BLM lands or U.S. Forest Service lands up here in the White River National Forest. So as most people that have hunted public lands see, um, you know, generally our animals are distributed fairly well early into the hunting seasons, but then as they get more pressure and they start to get weather, we see these animals move. Now, deer consistently will migrate no matter what. We have very large migratory deer herds up here. They move from the higher elevation summer range to the winter range out west very consistently. But along the way, they stop and utilize private property. Elk are very similar. They're going to seek refuge in areas where we have less pressure, which is predominantly the private property as compared to public lands. So what these opportunities give us is, first of all, it's going to be a very limited hunt. It's going to be a very quality experience for the hunter that gets to, to acquire these reservations. And they are going to help us by continuing to put a little bit more hunting pressure on private properties, which in the case of elk, let's say, you might get into a good group of elk, you might be able to find the cow you want or a bull that if you got the bull license opportunity, you know, you, you have a chance you harvest that animal, that pressure sometimes will help push some of those animals either further west onto public lands or back onto the forest, places that even additional public hunters get the chance to then maybe have a chance to find that group of elk. So. It's not so much that we're trying to, because it's such a limited number of license, we're not trying to reduce the population. This is not, there's not enough of them to make that big a deal, but it helps distribute that pressure onto those, sometimes we call them more refuge areas, which would be sometimes some private properties. They always seem to do that. Those dang things, I, I swear they're so smart when you go to, when you're hunting them, they'll always find those private properties so that you can't go hunt them <laughs> every, every time I swear they do that and that actually makes a lot more sense and that was really one of the biggest questions that we had come into the to e-hunter was just you know kind of the reason um, behind the the new access or this this hunter reservation system but I, I like the point that you made in that yeah it's great for those hunters that get to go into those private um private property areas and be able to hunt it, but it'll also kind of push them out of those areas and give more opportunity to the hunters that don't have those tags as well. And then, you know, kind of push them back into public lands. And so, um, like you said, just a, a better distribution of the, the animals has, has, I know that this is going to be kind of an interesting question and maybe one that you can't answer, but has the CPW thought of other ways to redistribute them or, um, what kind of, made you all settle on on this answer well i i don't know if this is a, a unique or a specific uh answer or circumstances you're describing um 
we've been, I think many people might be familiar with like our ranch and wildlife program, mm -hmm. which is again, private, it's, a, it's an agreement between a private landowner and Colorado Parks and Wildlife, where a landowner has a very large tract of land, they'll manage that land for wildlife in exchange, they get some flexibility in their hunting seasons, they get some private licenses, and then there's also a public component to that, where the public can draw those licenses and hunt on those private properties as well. In those, that program, we, we encourage those, those private landowners to distribute some of those public hunting seasons in times when those elk might or deer might refuge onto the property. So we want to keep that, that movement going. We want to keep them from just consolidating into a very small refuge sanctuary area. We want to keep them to where they are available to the public because that helps our harvest. And if we don't get good harvest, then we could have too many elk or deer on the landscape. But uh, so we've kind of modeled it a little bit after our ranching for wildlife program, where we try to keep that what we call in-season pressure sometimes. So when the public people are out there hunting around this property, they're putting the pressure. Those animals kind of move into those private sanctuary solitary areas. Well, now we're putting a little more pressure on that private to kind of keep them pushed back a little bit. So it's a distribution part that, that's benefited our wildlife management for a long time. Gotcha. Oh, that makes sense. Absolutely does. The Ranching for Wildlife has worked out very well over the years, and and I, and I love new opportunities like this that, that just kind of continue to grow off of that. Let's jump down a little bit of a rabbit hole here. I want to talk about some of the other land access that's, that's going on um, in Colorado, and, and you may be familiar with all of them, uh, maybe not, but are, are there other things going on in the state uh, that's allowing for more opportunity, more land access for hunters, maybe not just in the northwest corner, but are there other areas in, in Colorado that um, we're opening up some new opportunities for hunters? Absolutely, and we're very fortunate right now. Colorado Parks and Wildlife, we are putting a, a noticeable effort into trying to improve access for the public hunter whether it be to private lands or some other uh, public lands, just a variety of different options. So um, I'll go a little sidebar and then I'll come back to the main topic, yes. But so right now, as an agency, we're trying to create, we're going to call it Seesaw, so a Colorado Sports Persons Access Work Group. We're going to actually work with a bunch of entities, both from uh, private you know, NGOs or sportsmen's groups, some landowners, different folks, we're going to try to sit down and brainstorm and look at even additional ways we can try to come up with access for our public hunters across the state for small game, big game, fishing, everything we can possibly do. Because we realize the state's getting more restricted. We're getting more people all the time. It's getting harder to find places to go recreate, hunt, and fish specifically. So we're going to work on that really hard over the next few years as an agency. But along those lines, in the past, what we have been working is one of the prime examples would be state trust lands. Um, you're probably somewhat familiar with that, that we have a public access program called the PAP. And uh, we, the CPW has leased state trust land parcels, which are spread out across the state, for public access. So we've leased them for hunting. Um, we Over the past years, we've had... Uh, over 460,000 acres have been enrolled into that program um, with all these different state trust land parcels being open for public hunting. And in the last couple of years, we've tried to increase that. So we've gone back with the state land board. We've worked with them cooperatively. We've been able to create agreements to where we can say, okay, we're going to enroll some additional acres into that public access program. So 
with new ones that came on in 2019, a bunch more new ones. If you look into our state lands brochure, you'll see them all listed as new. Um, we've added basically another over 200,000 more acres of public lands that can now be hunted by our sportsmen. Um, Colorado Parks and Wildlife has an agreement with State Land Board. We pay them uh, a, so many dollars, a dollar something per acre. There's a specific set fee. So that money is going to the State Land Board, which then benefits the schools and the, and the parts of Colorado that's defined by that program. And at the same time, then we open up a lot of property for hunting. And this is East Slope, West Slope, North, South, all over the state. Wow. So when a, when a hunter's looking on their Onyx maps and they see that state trust lands, that's open for hunting all seasons, they can actually go on that property and hunt, correct? Yes. And, and if they, the best thing we can recommend that they do is pick up one of our, so we have a Colorado State's Recreation Lands brochure, one of our normal hunting type brochures. 2020 is the year you want to pick up. As you sort through that, it's divided into sections. So you have state wildlife areas, you have state trust lands, and then you have state parks. There's kind of three different sections within that brochure. And if you look at the state land board properties, uh, it lists the property, it lists the, the county, the location, acres, and there will be certain stipulations. Um, a lot of them are open August 15th to the end of February. Some of them don't open until September 1st for different reasons. Some of them, again, are focused for small games. Some are more big game. Uh, some of them have very limited vehicle access, maybe on county roads only. The rest of it might be foot and horseback. Some may allow camping. Most don't allow camping. So there's different rules for each one. But if you look at that brochure, which can then correspond to Onyx, and you can probably find them on your Onyx map, you can then know which property is available and open, as well as the rules and regulations that go to each of the different parcels. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Do you know if there's an electronic form of that that I could put in our show notes and just put a link in there? Uh, I know it's on our website. Uh, okay. and I apologize. I'm not the most tech savvy, so I'm not sure I could tell you exactly how to link it, but I know it is. All of these access uh, programs are on our state, on our website, Colorado Parks and Wildlife, okay. and uh, I'm sure someone could link that very easily. I think I can. So I, I'll do that. I will try to find, for those those listening, I will try to find either the... the electronic pdf of that or even just the link the website link i'll put it in the show notes to this podcast so that for those of you that are looking um at these lands you can find that um in the show notes make it easy for you guys so that's huge like i said there's so many people that come to colorado each year to hunt they never know in fact i was talking to a guy last year uh during the hunt about this specific thing um I can't remember what state he was from. It was, it was back, it was in the, the Midwest. I can't remember exactly where he was from, but he was asking me about those trust lands and if he could, he, he had thought that those were protected lands he couldn't go on them. And I said, no, you know, those are lands that the CPW purchases so that we can we can hunt on those lands. And uh, he was pretty excited about that. So I love to know, I love to hear about that, uh, that brochure on it. And just to be completely transparent, I have not been on and looked at that. So I will take some time and look at that familiarize myself with that but like i said i will also put a link to that in the show notes for everybody so that you can quickly find that so well bill i, I appreciate you coming on here one one last question and then i'll let you uh back to your day uh one of the questions that i've had come into my email was with this new hunter reservation system is this something that's here to stay uh something that we won't lose in the future um you know what what does the future look like specifically for that one but other land accesses that we have 
so yes, it should stay for forever. Uh, a lot of these access easements that, that we've been able to negotiate with landowners are for perpetuity. Some of them are term limited. Some of them could be a 10 or 20 year term, but for the most part, when we're negotiating and working on these access easements with private landowners, we're trying to do it for perpetuity. So we hope that that opportunity is going to be there for many generations to come. Uh, our hunter reservation system is new. Again, that's the electronic system where people can look it up. With time, we might be able to even refine that better and make it a little easier, a little more usable, friendly. And then the other thing our agency has done, and we've been very committed to doing, is continuing every year to look for new parcels of land where landowners would like to protect it, both with a conservation easement and an access easement. We're able to work through that and add one or two properties a year, we hope, across the state. So as time goes on, I'm hoping folks are able to look at that hunter reservation system in a year or two and not just see maybe four big game properties, but maybe there'll be six or eight. And every year we might be able to add one or two to those bar those uh, to that system as well. Oh, that'd be wonderful. And I'll put it out there. If there's anybody that's listening, that's a landowner that's willing to let uh, or just present the opportunity, more opportunity for hunters, I strongly encourage you to do that. I think it's wonderful for game management. I think it's wonderful for us as hunters and sportsmen um, all around. I, you know, I think the CPW is, is amazing. You guys are just amazing at managing wildlife and plans like this, systems like this uh, work out so well. And so anybody out there that's willing to uh, participate in this, please do so. Please reach out to the CPW and, and get involved in this. I, I know myself and many sportsmen and hunters uh, really across the United States would be grateful for it, especially us here in Colorado. So, well, Bill, I, I really appreciate your time. Uh, I, I thank you for, for jumping on and doing this. Um, I may be reaching out to you again in the future uh, for future podcasts and, and asking questions. Would that be all right? I'd be more than happy to. Uh, anything we can do to help our, our sports people understand what's available and give them that opportunity, that's what we're here for. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I've talked to several folks from the CPW. Um, like you said, your supervisor, JT, and, a, and a, quite a few others. And everybody's so willing, uh, so open to share what's going on. And I think it's a great thing. It's it's educating the men and women that are out in the field as sportsmen and sportswomen um, hunting and, and using our public lands. And so I, I appreciate you, I appreciate everybody there at the CPW. If you see JT or Randy, tell them I said hello, and uh, <laughs> tell give them, give them a little bit of a hard time from me. But <laughs> <laughs> I would be happy to do that. <laughs> awesome. All right, Bill. Well, I'll let you go. Thank you again. Appreciate your time, and you have a great day. Okay. I appreciate it very much. All right. We'll see ya. This is Curtis. Um, thanks again for listening to the podcast. I just wanted to jump on real quick and talk about one of our new sponsors, Cotton Carrier. They are awesome. So I've been looking at these guys for a long time. Um, super stoked now that they are partners with us. So what they are is they're a camera attachment system. Um, they've got a few different harnesses that you can use. One is a chest harness, so you can uh, actually strap it on your chest like a bino carrier and it's got this cool little adapter you screw on the bottom of your um, camera and it slides right in there you can have hands-free operation that one actually has an optional side holster as well um, the other one is the g3 strap shot holster that's for the backpack so um, you just strap it right to the backpack strap 
and then they've got a scout sling is what they call it. It's a sling style harness, goes over one shoulder. Um, but these things are awesome. Um, just a really convenient, uh, has your camera right there at the ready, but you can also have hands-free operation on them. Um, super excited about them, especially I've got a, a lion hunt coming up that's going to be on horseback and, you know, I wanted to um, have a way to film this hunt, but you know, I got to have both hands on the, on the reins. So, um, this will be perfect to have that strapped onto my backpack, be able to have the camera right there at the ready when I need it. Um, check them out. They are awesome. Cottoncarrier.com. Also on Instagram, cotton underscore carrier. So thank you to Cotton Carrier for being one of our sponsors on the podcast. And thanks again, guys, for being loyal listeners.